two or three months ago, I decided that I was going to do something like this. Um, for some of you, you probably thought that I've been behind the pulpit before, and that is not the case. Um, I have been up here several times to say stuff, but never behind the pulpit. Uh, I think even, in, you know, you might think, well, hey, didn't you guys ever use Sunday back when, you know, you were in high school? And we did. Man, I'm already like, <laughs> you know, it's cool. I got this new Fitbit, and man, when it tracks your heart rate, and it's whew, triple digits. So <laughs> it says fat burn. So <laughs> anyway, um, Britt probably remembers because he came here back when I was in fifth grade. Been here a long time. It's pretty unprecedented for a youth minister to be here that long. Um, actually, all our ministers to be here as long as they have is fairly unprecedented. Um, but if you guys don't know, some of the people I graduated with, and I hesitate to say them all that went to, to Dorsville, because we had a pretty big class when I was a senior. Uh, but you had the likes of Matt Oshel, uh, Ryan Brazier, uh, Tyler Billman. So we kind of had Youth Sunday covered. We weren't uh, you know, like trying to figure out who's going to do this, who's going to do this. Seems like now it's like one or two people, and everybody else is like, I'm not touching that. You know, because Matt Oshel, right, you probably couldn't get him off here, right? Uh, and uh, the crazy thing uh, about Matt, you know, he went to overseas to be a missionary, but, you know, he's actually back now, and, and he's preaching today at First Baptist. That's why uh, Mike and Nancy aren't here. Uh, it's kind of cool that it happened to, to happen the same week. Um, of course, I feel like he's a lot more prepared than I am. But, um, but anyway, yeah, Matt preached. Uh, Tyler did the music. That's probably no surprise. I believe Ryan did Ryan, or Brent's job, and, and I uh, kind of strummed at the piano a little bit. But anyway, guys... Um, First of all, for my family that, that came today, uh, I just want you to know you're probably going to uh, bear the brunt of some jokes and some illustrations, um, so I appreciate that you came. Um, so, and I know what you're thinking. Every time he gets up here, he tears up, right? I can't, just can't hold it together. Um, if you've been around me anytime I've been in front of something, uh, uh, even at my wedding, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Brian had to almost come pull me off the piano. It's like, he's not going to make it, uh, but... Just like uh, if you guys have seen these, uh, man, gosh, these, uh, these movies before, right? I, get, I think I get a lot of grief for this, but just like when Mufasa dies in The Lion King, and uh, little, Littlefoot's mom dies, right? Who does not cry at stuff like that? My goodness. But I, I, you know, I look over and my wife's just dry-eyed, and I'm thinking, but anyway. So, and I know something else you're thinking. Are we going to get out of here early? Well, I can tell you one thing. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Oh, is he up there? I'm not going to talk as much as my dad. <laughs> but I will talk more than my grandpa. So it's kind of like here, you know, if you've ever been around both of them. So and I'm going to try to stick to my notes. I wrote a lot of stuff out. I don't want to miss something. So, um, but I'm going to start out with a little bit of an uh, introduction before this, before I dig into Scripture. I hope that's okay. I know uh, this may not be something that you normally hear from the pulpit, but, um, but anyway, I, I don't know if any of you are looking at the screen, but you might be uh, a little confused, right? Uh, some, some people here are saying, is his name Ross? And other people are saying, I knew his name was Ross this whole time, <laughs> right? <laughs> but... It's okay, you know, some of you guys call me Ross on purpose, and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of over it. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon, and it really doesn't bother me anymore. I get it every day of the week. So you guys think you're special because you call me that? No. A lot, a lot of people do, right? Um, 
So I'm going to tell one quick story. I don't want to go too far off into this, but this is what happens. So, right, I, I work at Clearwave, and, and we just got this new CEO, right? So everybody's, like, trying to kiss up to the CEO. We got all these employees. Anyways, inter- in, they're introducing him, and he come around with my old, the old CEO, a lot of the high-level employees, and they just happened to catch me in the hallway. And they said, oh, oh, Roth, Roth, here's the new CEO. And, uh, and uh, so we introduced himself. I said, you know, this is such and such. And, and I shake his hand, and he goes, nice to meet you, Ross. And I'm like... And I look around, and I'm thinking, you're going to make me be the one to correct him. None of you guys are going to say anything. And so I didn't correct him because I just don't do that. I, you know, there's a lot of people in this church that have called me Ross, and I just let it go. You know, it's a, I don't want you know, to bring that to light. So anyway, but there is my name on there. I try not to make the TH too big. Uh, it's not really about that, but, you know, I figure I got this platform. I might as well we'll clear some things up. So. But if you look at the screen, you'll see the most common ways my name is mistaken. So there's your list. If you, if you pick from that, I think there's like a Rolf Schilling and Marion or something. I get called that too. Um, and, and all the likes, because I have to spell my name every time. It's, it's a big thing. But anyway, you might be the same part of the crowd that refers to all-star as all-stars or upward. It's okay. And if, you know, if you're living a part of the world that my mom and my grandma live in, you probably know there's a Walmarts and a... Kroger's and Aldi's. Of course, that one's still tough for me because I like to call it Aldi's too. And then the last one, which a lot of people may not be familiar with, but it's a personal story with me, uh, Backyard Burger. Well, really, it's called Backyard Burgers, but I refuse to call it that. And uh, my wife actually let me in on that one, and uh, I actually had to see the sign myself before I believed it. Still a little skeptical, but okay. So... Anyway, some things that, that are uh, mistaken. Next, if you, if you, now that you know my name is Roth, here's a couple of nicknames that you might be able to take advantage of. Um, now that you know what it rhymes with, and uh, what is Roth backwards? I'll let you have a second to think about that one, okay? But people have told me that. My name backwards is Thor. It's not quite that cool. It's more like Hator, but anyway. So this next clip I'm going to uh, show you. I don't I don't like to put stuff on Facebook. I honestly only have a Facebook account for All-Star anymore. Um, but this next clip I was going to show you. Um, let me make sure I'm in the right spot. Yeah. My name's Dad. Hey. Hey. My name is Dad. So at least my son didn't call me Ross. He went for the Roth part. But <laughs> anyway. Something else I want to bring out to the open. Now, I, uh, somebody has said this to me before. Um, Man, Roth, is everything okay? Are, are, you, are you mad? I'm like, no. I appreciate the people that actually came up and said it to me. But I found out, um, since I have this, this platform too, again, I just want to be, be uh, clear that I found out that I suffer from a condition, maybe some of you guys too, and it's called resting angry face. I just do. Uh, I got this, like, lower jaw thing going on, and... Uh, Anyway, guys, uh, I I can promise you that I don't walk around angry, and I try to even smile sometimes on purpose just to kind of cheesy, like, so you don't think I'm mad, Uh, but but I'm not. Uh, So I think I just give off that thought. Anyway, I just wanted to be sure uh, that I I just don't walk around like that. So anyway, as many of you know, uh, Holly and I run uh, all-star basketball and volleyball. Okay, this is the 12th year, Um, and besides the long long nights, the occasional stress, guys, it it has blessed us both. but here's one thing that's pretty simple. I couldn't do it without her, and I couldn't do it without T.A. I don't know if T.A. is here today, um, but, it's, but those are people I couldn't do it without. Okay? And while All-Star has helped me with public speaking, I would have never been up here before. 
that threw me right into the mix when Brent asked me to come up and do introductions or do testimonies. And like, ha ha. You know, so when I asked you guys to do one, I know the feeling that you guys get, okay? And I didn't see myself get behind the pole, but Dwayne mentioned it to me in the past, and I was like, ah, ha, 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 no. You know, I mean, I'm not, that's, that's not for me. You know, and, and, and my spiritual life really hadn't been maybe what most people thought it was. It really wasn't. Outside these walls, I didn't spend a lot of time in his word, probably very little, okay? But God has put a message on my heart, and I've always thought the best way to preach is at yourself. So having said that, I'm going to get to my testimony. Real quick, I know a lot of you have heard it, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to take like 15 or 20 minutes. But I'm going to try to run through it, but I feel like this is something that's just on my heart. A lot of you guys, if you've been here a long time, there's been three preachers when I've been here. You had Brother John, Brother Homschel, and now Dwayne. And back when I was six years old, uh, Brother John was going to leave, and I felt pressured because other kids were going forward, right? And I felt like that's something I needed to do. All I really remember is sort of where his office was. I really don't remember anything inside of that. And I held on to that, that clinged on to that for probably nine years until I was age 15, and they had a, a revival up here with Brady Weldon. And I still remember, he said those famous words, do you know that you know that you know? Yikes, that really made me uncomfortable. And I didn't want to go back. And guys, I spent two years living in pride. I still live in a lot of pride. That is a big, big issue for me when I came up here today, is pride. I don't want to be up here so you guys can think, wow, wow, what a great guy Roth is. Look at all he knows. No, it is not about that. As I, I stuck with that. Two years, I was too prideful to come in front of the church and tell them. You know, and I don't want to go off on this, but my senior, my senior year, between football and all that stuff, man, we were on a pedestal. Halfway through the season, I finally had to swallow it. I can remember that I did it. Surprised a lot of people. And I can say that to say I had a lot of people fooled. And going to church about four or five times a week for 17 years of my life did diddly squat for my salvation. Doesn't mean anything. Okay? Doesn't mean anything for our eternity. Yes, we need, to, we need to do those things. We need to be obedient. But guys, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to get you there. I used to think my testimony wasn't because I didn't have this big turnaround, right? I didn't have drug problems. I didn't have all this other stuff. But I found out that I did have something. I, I had that church thing where I thought church was, was going to cut it. <laughs> but it didn't. Okay? And, and real quick on All-Star, I'm, I'm not going to spend much more time because I want to get into the Word, but guys, over 12 years, the importance and stuff with All-Star has completely changed. I hope some of you have seen it. But when Brent first asked me to do it, I thought, man, basketball, that's pretty cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get on that train. And eventually I was like, you know what? God's a little more important. Still like basketball, but I start liking myself a whole, whole lot. And I thought, you know what? I wrote all this from scratch. I did all this myself. What good things have I done, right? And, 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 and you know, I, I appreciate the compliments. I really do. There's obviously a lot of time put into this, but, man, my head was getting big on how good of a person I was. And not until the last couple of years did things change. My competitive nature in, in sports and board games and everything else is not really once what, it once what it once was. That stuff just doesn't matter anymore. It's about getting the message out to the kids people want to come talk to me about trivial stuff about basketball, whatever. That doesn't matter to me anymore. Again, I don't say that to be prideful, like I'm some great guy. That just, I'm all about the God Lord now. But guys, that's just where my heart is, okay? It was I, I, I a lot. But it was by God's grace and the people that helped out. You think I do this on my own? Uh, no. There's a lot of people that helped out. Coaches, the fact that this building is here, that everyone paid for, my wife, T.A., 
A lot of people do stuff in the background that I get credit for. It is so true. Okay. So, anyway. Right, today I'm going to bring to you uh, three points in a prayer. Right, that's what Baptists do, right? You've got to come up with three points. So, uh, I'm going to start out with some things about our thoughts and our minds. Um, how Christians, and more specifically Christian men, have lost their way. And, and some responsibilities at home. But I think something of first thing to do is pray before we get into the scripture and not get ahead of myself and, uh, and rambling on. So if you would bow with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and just the opportunity um, that you've given me, Lord, to, um, to, for you to speak through me, Lord. And we just uh, ask that uh, you speak to people's hearts, Lord, and just uh, speak through me and, and tell me the things that, that need to be said, Lord, um, and, and let this all be for your glory. That's this all in your name. Amen. So, I'm going to run through uh, Colossians. If you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3, that's kind of where we're going to be today. And uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit more, but you can more or less stay right there. Um, So, Colossians 3, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So I want to talk about this thing first before we jump into the scriptures on controlling your thoughts. Okay? The pathway to controlling your thoughts okay, is the understanding of our relationship with Jesus. Okay? If you don't understand that, you're not going to understand the idea of controlling these thoughts. This is where it begins. Many people lose it right here. You can't do all these other things unless these thoughts start in your head. Okay? And people get this mindset like they feel like they can't think differently. Now, this is just the way I think. Okay? In some situations, people are brought up in a family where there's no presence of God. Okay? In a home where they're tar- told certain things about themselves. You know, they go through these having things impressed. You know, my mom said it, my dad said it, my grandpa said it, or my grandma said it. So, pfft, must be true. You know, and, and these people are prominent in their life, and, and, and it can ruin a life. You know, and this is another reason why a Christian home is so important. It's not foolproof. But it's important, and we'll get to that. But the challenge to controlling these thoughts, you know, just because you get saved, right, your environment's not going to change. We're called to live godly in an ungodly environment, whether it be at home, whether it be in the workplace. This is an ungodly environment pretty much everywhere we go except for here. So think about the people who got saved where there wasn't another Christian in their household, you know. All kinds of bad influences. So a godly life in an ungodly environment. So I had it easier than most, right? I grew up in a... Christian home, both parents, didn't have a lot of bad influences, okay? It wasn't perfect, but I certainly had like the silver spoon of the Christian life, right? I had all the advantages um, to make the right decisions, you know, which again, isn't foolproof, but it helps. Um, And for a lot, this just isn't the case. You know, and the devil does a pretty good job deceiving Christians and non-Christians. Man, I love these two verses. So in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, it says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
Do you ever wonder why people aren't receptive? Just right open when you start talking about their, their, their eternity and that you're trying to help them out? They're blinded. And we go further to believers, 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So you can see on the screen, Satan, which is the god of this world, okay, blinds the mind of the unbeliever and deceives the mind of the believer. And that's why a professing Christian, often, their lives often are not biblical, okay, because they're deceived. This person says it's okay, or this person's doing it right. You see somebody else doing it, so it must be okay. Well, this person, you know, they're a pretty good Christian person, and they do this, so this is probably okay for me to do. You know what? Satan will bring these things up. Maybe something you did 30 years ago. Maybe something somebody did to you 30 years ago, and you haven't let it go. Maybe you think you're unworthy, you're not good enough, or you still feel bad for something you've done. It'll make you feel unworthy, unforgiveness, and it leads to sin. And, of course, we suffer the results. Okay? Have you ever heard the devil whisper something to you? Oh, uh, yeah? Happens every day. You think the devil's whispering stuff to me this morning? Uh, Roth, you're not going to be able to hold it together. Uh, Roth, uh, you better just not mention some of this stuff because it's going to make you look prideful. It's going to make you look like it's all about you. Okay? Or you might, you might have these. Roth, you don't deserve this. Go ahead and do it. Ah, just once will be okay. Ah, you're not hurting anyone else. Ah, no one will ever know. It's not a big deal. Everyone's doing it. And he can hit with this all the time to make you feel like what you're doing is okay. But what if, this is not my own thought, by the way, but what if we were just bold enough and decided to think opposite of that when the Lord tells you something like that, or when the, I mean, sorry, when Satan tells you something like that, that you can't do it, or this is how it is. What if we were just bold enough to say no and think opposite of that? In 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, okay, it tells us, but the Lord is faithful, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Right there, he's going he's gonna to guard you. You think that he's not there, but he's right there. All you have to do, okay? You need to tell yourselves every day that the Lord is faithful, okay? The devil's going to tell you you're, you're unworthy, so why try, right? You're not good enough, why try? You know, we can get this why try attitude, like I'm unrighteous, I'm not good enough, so why try anyway? I'm not going to get any better, okay? But if you've accepted Christ, these sins are forgiven, of course, the worldly consequences remain. But in John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the devil's lying to you guys, and the scripture will expose him for who he is. But that means we have to crack a Bible. Okay, our mind, it's very important, it can be deceived. And let you fill it with what? The truth and the word of God. You can't push that stuff out. Unless you fill it with stuff from here. And it's not just about reading it every once in a while, guys. It's getting into it. It's studying it. Find me, maybe find a commentary. Maybe find what it is about this. Okay? Then we have something called a retrograde mind, which is it's a tough topic for me. But it's one that looks at sin, says they're going to do it no matter what. No matter what anyone else says they do. Okay? Maybe, maybe you've seen somebody that's a Christian, but they're just, I'm going to do this. I don't care. Okay? And scripture is very, very specific. And let me read out of Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? If we sin more, then, uh, man, just get more of that grace. By no means is what verse 2 says. Guys, it is disobedience. And people think there's nothing they can do, right? Nothing you can do about it. But God tells us in Isaiah 41, 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you with, the right, with my righteous right hand. He gives us strength, guys. We just have to search for him. We have to look for him. I've had this problem all my life, trying to answer stuff on myself, looking to the world. How often, how often do we look to the world for answers? They're going to tell you ones that you really think you like. Boy, they look good, but it's not right. So moving back to these scriptures, okay, and, and, and kind of moving on to my next point about how Christian men have lost their way. And this might be where I step on a few toes, but that's okay. Some of them are mine. And that's what I'm talking about preaching to myself. So verse 1, if you, have been, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know, these lives of the Colossian Christians evidence their salvation. Okay, and what was the evidence? Faith, hope, and love. The fruit of the Spirit was in their lives. Right, you know, the, this, the Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians because there was some deceiving teaching. Okay, but love amongst the believers is so important. And I'm not talking about the sentimental lovey-dovey stuff, okay? Um, for example, um, you can express your love, or the pastor can express his love for the congregation by telling you the Word of God. You can express your love for the pastor by you know, uh, lifting him up from his biblical teachings, okay? It's really practical, okay? And I love this part. So the Colossians had faith and love, but they also had hope. And you know what that hope is? The hope of the coming of Jesus for his church. We have that hope. Maybe it happens today. Maybe maybe I might live my full life, but I don't think I'm going to. You've seen the state of the world today. So you got this word seek. Seek the things that are above. Do you know what seek means? This is good stuff. Having an urgency and a desire and an ambition. Those are pretty strong words. A desire. And have you ever said you had a desire and an ambition to do something? I think that means you really, really, really want it. And that's what he talks about. You need to really, really, really seek this. Okay? There should be an excitement that goes along with this when we seek this. Okay? There should be a smile on your face when you're seeking this. Okay? This shouldn't be an obligation. Okay? But... Be careful what you seek, okay? Don't seek out any preacher. Don't seek out, I'm going to use me because I'm up in the, in the pulpit. Don't make Dwayne, Dave, Brent your idol. Don't make a Sunday school teacher your idol. Don't make Charles Stanley or Billy Graham your idol. If you do, you've made somebody your idol that has feet of clay, okay? You'd be looking to a man. I make mistakes. You can't look to a man. You've got to look to God. You know, the purpose of this message today, the purpose of us talking is to get, to get you the Word of God, not for me to tell you how to do it. You cannot look to us, okay? You, I'm not near the man I'd like to be, the husband or the father I'd like to be, okay? So don't, don't produce anything man does as an idol, you know, a book or whatever you might be that you, you live your life by. So here's a quick illustration because I've just motored through all this stuff and you're like, oh my goodness, that is a lot of stuff. I couldn't even keep up really. Um, so there's this, this story about a kid that goes to see Niagara Falls. Now, before I get, somebody gets technical, I know the, the town is called Niagara Falls, and it's American, and Horseshoe Falls, okay. I was there once, and, and that got revealed to me. But he comes to the Canadian side, right? He gets his train, and he comes in, and he's all excited. He gets off the train, he hears the falls, but he can't see them. He's kind of disappointed. He sees this big building, probably like a Union Station here in the U.S., big building, comes in, popcorn vendor, soda machine, all this stuff, and... Uh, all these people sitting around, he still can't see the falls, but he can hear it. Man, he's just getting disappointed. So he looks down this huge hallway. So you could just say maybe the size of this wall over here. And he sees this big frame around the wall, and they have a picture of the falls. And he's thinking, I'm at Niagara Falls, and they have a picture of the falls on the wall. That doesn't make any sense. 
And so he starts walking towards this, and he's like, man, that's just the biggest picture I've ever seen. But it was a window, and it was the actual falls. So as he began to walk toward it, he realized it was living, a living thing. Guys, we look at this Bible, and it's just, we think, something that was written a long time ago. See a picture of Jesus down there? Oh, that's, that's great. He was a great guy. You know, that's, this is not really applicable now. Guys, this is living. This stuff applies more than it ever has. Verse 2, set your minds that are things that are on above, not on the things of the earth. Hey, you're going to set your mind on something. There's a lot of things down here you can set your mind on. We have to set it on things that are holy and righteous and godly. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When you said you were trusting Jesus as your Savior, Savior, you didn't say, well, oh man, I like this one. You're just going to add him to your life, right? I got all this stuff going on. Find a little spot to squeeze him in there. No. He needs to be the priority. Am I telling you that, that, that he's the priority in my life? Am I telling you all this, that I've got this all figured out? My goodness, no. But I'm starting to crack some of the truth that I really didn't know about. You know, we want to keep all of this other stuff. We got to idol to this God, this God, and this God. Okay, it's all about, really, it's all about idolatry, all this stuff that we do, you know, o- over spending time with God. And, and uh, you know, and, and Jesus says in Matthew six twenty one, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What a more perfect verse to illustrate that. In verse 4, it says, when Christ, who is, in your, li- who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Guys, if you have any life, it's Christ's life. You know, it's Paul's intent to show us this eternal life. And show us Christ. So, here's the fun one. Here's the one where it gets a little uh, more rubber to the road. Put to death, in verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So first, sexual immorality, or another word for, for fornication. Okay? These are not fun topics to talk about in church, right? But this refers to every sexual activity that's outside of marriage. What's the world going to tell you? Sex before marriage is okay, right? Want we'll to make sure you got the right person first before you commit to it. And where does the Bible say that? The Bible doesn't say it's wrong. Right? The world will tell you that. Nah, it really doesn't say that in there. Well, can I share a few verses with you this morning? In 2 Corinthians 7.2, it says, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. That seems pretty clear to me. He sees that it can be a problem, and that's why he put man and woman together. In Hebrews 12.4, it says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. I don't know how much more clear I can be about that. So I'm tired Man, I'm tired of this. And this is, this is something, you know, maybe when I was a kid, I wouldn't have had this kind of view on this. But about the stories, and I, again, if I step on your toes, I'm sorry. About the parents that allow their high school kids or whatever to, to sleep together in bed. My goodness, I hear about it. What are you teaching your kids? What are you teaching your kids? Well, I'd rather them be here, you know, rather than be safe. Rather than be safe right in my house. That way I can watch, watch over it. Yeah, that's a great example. That is a tremendous example for your kids right there. You know, we need to tell them what God's word says. We don't have to tell them our opinion on it. Give them God's opinion. And Paul tells us we are to put our physical members to death. In Matthew 5, 29 and 30. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with this one. 
If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole, than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of those members than your whole body go into hell. Okay? And Jesus is specifically in this passage talking about lust. Right? And yes, I'm talking more to men today. I don't think women struggle with lust nearly as much as men do. And I'm not here as a psychologist. But ladies, that's a big problem for men. And men, if you think it's not a problem, you are being really foolish. But Jesus isn't talking about literally gouge your eye out here. But guys, he's emphasizing how important this is. Okay? And what great value this is that we have to give up. You know, in Christian circles, right, we just pat ourselves on the back. Man, what a good, what a good job we've done. And, and give it credit, all the good things we do. But all we are are a bunch of sinners, guys. So, let me share some statistics. I had mixed feelings about putting this up here, and that may be hard to read, but I'll read it off. 50% plus of Christian men are addicted to pornography. <laughs> you can do the math. That's half the people in here. I said Christian men, not men. 36% of evangelical Christians say homosexuality should be accepted by society. 36%. 10% up from 2007, and Southern Baptists are at 30%. That's ah, not a big deal, right? It's, you know, we should, we should love them. Yeah, we should. But that does not mean we have to accept it as being right. And what are they going to say? Leviticus a long time ago. That's not applicable anymore, right? Ah, Old Testament stuff. There's a lot of crazy stuff then. Well, I tell you what, just get your scissors out then and cut that piece out of your Bible and just cut everything else out that you don't think is applicable in your life. Have you read the last verse of the Bible? Anybody read that? I'm not going to read it right now, but go ahead and read that for yourself if you haven't read that last verse of the Bible. You know, there's a story, you know, you could talk about, but go back to premarital sex. One of them says, well, it's not really that important anymore, right? It's not that important anymore. Just cut it out then, just like anything else that you're going to give into. Okay? There's a couple more, I think, after this, Caleb. There's a couple more, uh, some verses on this. Or, okay, well, there's a couple more. Yeah, oh, hey, yeah, we talked about this in Sanctity Life. 33% think abortion should be legal. My goodness. Are you kidding me? People in the church think this. This is not the world. Only 11% only 11% of single professing Christians plan to save themselves from marriage. Only one out of 10 people is what that's saying is believe that, that, that premarital sex is not okay. Only one out of 10. Where are they going to learn it from, guys? They're going to learn it from home. So I think there's another, is there another slide after this, I believe, or not. Um, but next, some impurity. Impurity. Guys, I work. I have a job. Anybody like to tell dirty jokes at the job? Anybody like to cuss at the job? Anybody like to talk like that? You feel like if you're not, if not uh, in on it that you're not cool? Or that you're being judgmental? I've been there. You want to be the first one to say the cuss words so you're the funny guy? I played football. High school and college. College gets a lot worse. We don't have to step in. We don't have to judge them. But you guys can be in examples, okay? And, and let, me, let me tell you about an example. And some of you guys might know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to say names. 
you know, I, I have kind of a, a separate group of friends. It's, it's weird, and, and uh, some of my friends know who I'm talking about. Um, but they kind of do these things. Foul language, drink, do all these things. I haven't said that I'm not going to talk to them. But I don't partake in what they do. Do they peer pressure me? They try. But how funny is it when somebody apologizes you for, for cussing around you? How funny is it when they do that? You think they're seeing you as an example? I'd say so. How funny is it when my friend calls me up and says, this is how much he drank the last month? I didn't say a word to him. You know what I did? I said, I don't, I don't want to drink. That's, that's not what I want to be about. Okay, and we could get into the discussion about getting drunk and everything else, but guys, huh, is a terrible example. No matter what you, no matter what you, way you want to hash around that. But guys, that's not necessarily for our brothers, okay? We can hold our brother's feet to the fire. So I can, heard, I can remember the first time I heard a comedian, right? That shock value stuff you've never heard. And you laugh, laugh, laugh. Okay? And what does the world want us to do? The world wants us to laugh. The world wants us to come right in on that. Okay? And let me tell you a couple stories. There's probably... <laughs> there's a couple people in here that know this story. And this is really embarrassing for me. But I'm going to say it. In sixth grade, I had one of the worst potty mouths you could ever think of. But I guarantee you that row over there had no clue about it. My family had no idea. I was pretty good at hiding it. But I had a teacher back then, and it's been on my heart for about 30 years of what I said to her and the way I acted. And I've never apologized for that, and I've, I've had to carry that. In my freshman year, Brent picks us up for lunch. I don't know if you, uh, I, well, I'd like to think you'd call me out on it. Got on the church bus and, whoop, Ross slipped a cuss word right out. And I thought, oh my. Right, if somebody ever cusses in church and they say, woof, I don't act like that. Man, that's an accident. Whew. Boy, if you can't hold it in, right, what does the world say? Ah, oh, you got to know where you are. You got to know where you are. You shouldn't be doing it up here. My goodness, that's a terrible example. But guys, if you do it up here, I'd uh, hate to think how you act outside of this place. And that was pretty much a turning point for me on that kind of thing coming out of my mouth. Okay. So um, there's, some, there's a couple of verses on this. So put to death there for what is earthly in you. Or I'm sorry. Are there, there's a couple of verses after this, Kayla. Uh, the, yeah. Okay. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, or adulterers, uh, nor men who practice homosexuality. Oh, there you go right there, if that doesn't explain the, um, the homosexuality issue for you. There should be another one after that. Yeah. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Okay. So in Matthew 5, 28, Jesus says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We've heard that one, right? If you look, you've already committed it. Well, I'm talking about passion now. So have you ever heard somebody uh, confess a sin and say, Well, I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help myself. I just, I, I, I just couldn't help myself. Well, let me tell you a story about this. I, this, is, this is a great illustration that I found. It's like a boy <laughs> whose mom calls to him one night when he hears her, she hears him in the kitchen. Here's him rustling around. Hey, hey, son, where are you? Hey, mom, I'm in, I'm in the pantry. 
So he's in the pantry and he has, his, he has his cookie jar open. And his mom says, what are you doing? Fighting temptation. Guys, that is the wrong place to fight temptation. You're going to wait till the cookie jar to fight the temptation for the cookies. Now you can imagine the illustrations that I could come up with that I'm not going to say here as to where you could get to in a point and you're like, well, can't fight it now, it's too tough. You have to stop before you get to that part. So next, covetous, which is idolatry. Is money your God today? Are we interested in making more money than in Christ? Are sports your God today? Ooh, this is a good one, because I've been big on sports in the past. Are we more interested in making our kids athletes than making them soldiers for God? I think a lot of people are, right? Got to play those tournaments every weekend. Boy, I got to have them play AAU because they're going to be a pro athlete. Guys, what does that teach them? What good does that do? I mean, are they seriously going to turn into a Tim Tebow? One of the only people that I know that really uses a platform form for the right thing. Some people might say, well, I thank God for this, but, you know, that's pretty cliche. A lot of people say that, and I don't know that they really know what they're meaning. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, hey, we didn't have sports on Wednesday nights. We didn't have sports on Sunday nights. That didn't exist. But now it's like, what, what's, the, what's the attitude? Well, I want my son to make the team, so man, I'm sorry, Brent. We're going we're to we're have to skip these impact. Oh, I'm sorry, we got that tournament on Sunday morning, and if I don't go, my kid's not going to make the team. I just, I'm going I'm to have to skip. What are we teaching our kids? But I can say for sure that that's something I would have fell into. Right? Because I was not a great athlete. Okay, I'm not up here saying that. But I like sports. And I will probably be too hard on my kid in sports. I hope I don't. Okay, I hope I can reel it in. But I can tell you one thing. We are not going to do that. All this stuff of trading God for sports, there's several of these things you can trade. But we're not going to do that. Oh, yeah. I got to get away. So turn to Mark, Mark 8.36. For what does, it, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Man, that's... That, that's some good stuff. So, verse 6, moving on. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul reminds the Colossians that God will suddenly intervene. Okay, he's going to intervene in human history, and he's going to hold everyone accountable. Those who live evil lives, they're going to face judgment. Verse 7, and these two you once walked when you were living in them. So those of us who know the Lord practiced these sins at one time. We practiced them, right? We were living in them. We might still do them now, but we should not be living in them. We shouldn't be going back to that same one, that same one. That same one. You know, as we... Guys, I'm talking to Christians today. As we have to progress. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We're still going to sin. Uh, the man who says he's not going to sin or hasn't, uh, he's a pretty foolish man. But we should be moving further on, moving closer to a godly life. Verse 8. Very similar to verse 5. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So we are to put these habits off just like we put off a garment. Okay, Paul says, put them off as we would put off a dirty, filthy, argument, or a dirty, filthy garment. Where you might send it to the laundry, you need to throw it away. You need to get rid of it. Okay, and anger. Okay, there's a justifiable place for anger, right? You might remember that Jesus was angry about the Pharisees because they're hardness of their hearts. Okay, but the problem is we get angry over the wrong things. 
And anger can become wrath, you know, if we have an unforgiving spirit. Okay, here's another. This here's another good one. Uh, and I, I, use, I like to use Matt Oshel as, a, as, a, as an illustration. <laughs> I used to play a lot of video games when I was younger. And I can still remember uh, Rhino, the Triple Play 2000 baseball game. Man, we used to get so mad at each other for one winning and the other one not, right? And if we didn't win, it's because the game cheated. And I'm telling you what, we would get really mad at each other over that. Now, granted, we're not going to hold a grudge. You know, we're not going to like, we're going to get over it, shake hands like a guy normally does and, and get past it. But how silly to get mad over something silly as a video game. Or up here, uh, church basketball. I'm okay, I'm not going to go into that one. You can think of plenty of that. How are you going to get mad about somebody fell? Oh, he pushed me. He fouled me. He didn't call that foul. Oh, good grief, guys. You got to get over that stuff. So, um, and, and here's another one. <laughs> Some people will like this. But let me give an illustration about my own life. When I was young, I had to have all the video system, video game systems. I loved them. My parents bought me when they came out, right? Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, the 64. And all you kids are like, what? What is that? <laughs> I feel like I'm like one of the old people now, right? Like, you know, People making fun of my music, you know, like it's jock jams. You guys like that, right? No? Just tell me to my face. No, everybody's afraid to tell me that, right? Because I look angry. I got that angry face. Like, well, I don't want to talk to that guy. But as an adult, I still wanted the, the, good, the cool system, even though I really don't play video games that much. It's just, it's just not a thing for me anymore. Um, <laughs> so I won't mention any names, but hey, uh, Got an Xbox One, like to play a little Madden, right? Everybody knows what Madden is, right? Football game, it's pretty popular. If you don't know what it's about, you must live under a rock. I'm not saying you played it, but everybody probably knows who John Madden is. Uh, but guys, <laughs> I was getting so mad, I was chucking my controller across the room. And I broke one, I had to get a replacement because I broke the back off my controller because I threw it over a game. Of course, when I was winning, I was happy as can be, and I thought I was, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at this game. I got this figured out. But when I was, when I was losing, the game was cheating or whatever else, and I had to get rid of it. I don't own that game anymore. It was not making me very, a very nice person. And guys, if something's making you that angry or causing you to do that stuff, you need to get rid of it. So malice. Anyone ever want revenge? You're not alone. Anyone ever had something to do, somebody do something bad to them? Yeah, probably been pretty bad sometime, right? And, and it's really bad when somebody does something to you and then you're the, you're the bad person, right? Like, they're not going to apologize to you, but they expect apology out of you. Guys, you can want revenge, but it's pretty clear that we shouldn't take revenge ourselves. Okay, we got to give this to God. Whether or not you think someone wronged you, you got to forgive them. And Matthew six fourteen through 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Ephesians four thirty two says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Um, <clears throat> now, when Christ died for us, we were forgiven, right? So has anybody here died for somebody else? No, I don't think we've had to go that far. So if Christ can die for you to forgive you, how can we not forgive somebody else? You think, well, that, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. You really don't know. Uh, they said all this stuff and, and spread all these rumors and, and did this. And, man, guys, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying 
you have to be best friends and just love that person to death. But you're going to have to forgive them. And you need to forget it. Talking about it later and still talking about how what they did to you is not forgiveness. Does God still talk about the stuff you did to him? No. He forgot about it, right? And we're on to the next thing. That's a big problem. It's, been, I, it's something I've had to deal with today. Guys, the stuff I'm talking about today is stuff I've had to deal with. I'm not a genius. I'm not up here saying, I don't get angry anymore. Mm, look how good I am. I just do it. Ooh, I do it all right. No, absolutely not. People still make me mad. You think I don't get mad a little bit every Saturday when I have somebody come up and complain about something little? Oh, well, Ralph, somebody forgot to change the whole goal height on the basketball goal down there. I'm like, come on, man. Can't you do something for yourself? Nope, 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 nope. I'm sorry. We'll get it figured out next time. Or, oh, do you know how early I had to get up this morning? And I have a six-year-old at the house, and I had to get up and come to... Do you know I have a two-year-old at the house, and he had to come up here? Oh, no, I didn't say that to him, but I certainly want to. I'm like, guys, can't be angry. you got to let that stuff go. Especially people like uh, you and you and Dwayne that's gone. You guys got to put up with a lot of stuff. You guys got to have some broad shoulders and some thick skin because you better be, you better, you better know that you're on a pedestal because if you say something wrong, it'll probably be splattered on Facebook. Somebody will run with that. Yeah, Facebook. Gosh, I love that thing. In Matthew 18, 21 through 22, it says, Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I gotta forgive him seven times. Anybody had to forgive somebody multiple times? You're like, that's enough. Seven. They don't get it. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Oh my goodness. Seventy-seven times. And guys, God is pretty good with all this math stuff. Because I don't I don't know if you've ever seen that book in the Bible called Numbers. Anyway. So Romans 12, 9 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I think we can take a little bit of solace in that, just a little bit of comfort in that. You know, look, (laughs) I don't want to be so blunt, but people are going to get theirs. Okay, Stuff is going to happen. God is going to take care of that for you. You you do not have to take care of that. Okay, moving on to slander and blasphemy. Okay, this can be against God, okay? Or have you ever said something false about somebody else? And yes, people, yes, exaggeration counts as untruth. We all like to exaggerate on how bad something is, how bad it was that somebody did something, okay? To make people look bad or to make yourself look better. I know I've done it. But taking again the name of God in vain, that's certainly blasphemy but also misrepresenting him or hating him. Anybody here hated God? Anybody here know of, uh, ah, man, I'd, you know, I'd probably come up with several stories. Two, three, four-year-old child dying. I've heard some preachers dying young. I've heard, I mean, all kinds of things that happen to uh, good people, right? And that was somebody asked all the time, why do these things happen? Why do these things happen to good people? We're not good people. I'm sure you've heard that said up here before. We're not 
good people. <laughs> We're all sinners. I'm no better than the one outside the church. I'm no better than that person. God is not picking on me. It's because somebody sinned a long time ago. That's why the world is where it is. But let me leave you with a good verse. God tells us one day this suffering will end. Anybody here suffering? It's okay. I know getting your hand above this in church is tough, but they do go up like that. It's hard for me during a song, too. I'm like, I hope nobody next to me lifts their hands up because I don't want to feel like I have to do that. I feel like people are going to be looking at me like. But yes, I've suffered. There's been a lot of people suffering out here. Guys, there's a lot of people suffering out in the world. Let me tell you something that I didn't want to say because my number one concern is pride. You know, Dwayne said it, what, a couple weeks ago about pride and arrogance, and I was like, I struggle with that too. That's why I struggle with even coming up here because I feel like I come up here and preach and somebody's going to say, or I'm going to come off as, as how good I am or come off arrogant. <laughs> and I don't want to come off like that. But guys, the Lord has changed my heart. Let me tell you something, because I love that I can talk to you guys all about this. Do you realize three days a week, there are a lot of people up at this church that are unsaved, that are hurting? About three hours a night, these walls are lined with people waiting for somebody to come talk to them. Now, before this year, let me tell you the number of people I talked to. So I had, what, 12 years, so 11 years before this. Let me tell you how, how many people I witnessed to at All-Star. Anybody take a guess? A big fat zero. I thought I was doing my part right. I'm doing all this work. We'll talk to them at the end. They'll get it. This year has been different. It's hard, but you got to go out on a ledge. Go talk to somebody. Uh, deacons in the church, guys that are strong in their faith in their church. You got a lot of people up here. You don't have to go knock on a door. They're up here. Guess what? They're watching their kid. They're not going to leave. They're not going to leave and go outside those doors. It's pretty cold outside anyway, so I don't think they're going to go out there. I think they're probably going to stay in here. They might tell you they don't want to talk to you, but guess what? Are they rejecting you? No. They're rejecting God. So you, you don't have to worry about that. But I did. I came up to a couple people this year. Not saying this because I'm some great person, but I finally swallowed some pride. And I finally did this thing. What? Pray that God will put someone in my path. Oh, you get that out of your mouth. Oh, put someone in my path. God, will you embarrass me a little bit and... Make some make me talk to somebody. Oh, not him. No, not him. <laughs> it already happened. A couple guys showed up and I went and talked to him. Guys, people are hurting. You think, you think everybody's just hunky dory. Man, there's some bad stuff going on. You have no idea what people are going through. You don't unless you talk to them. You don't have to go up and say, you need a savior. But you can go up and tell them the truth. You can share some verses with it. You can invite them to church. That's a pretty simple one. 
So last one, obscene talk from your mouth. We talked about jokes earlier, but anyone have a cussing problem? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. But you need to get control of it. You think, ah, everybody at work cusses? No big deal. It's a big deal. Ah, I'm just, just affecting myself. They already cuss anyways. Uh, well, we talked about that thing of being an example. They probably know you go to church. They probably take a lot of comfort in that. Now, that's the way he acts. I'm probably all right. This obscene talk from your mouth, okay? Do you want to fit in? Do you want to be the funniest person? I can't tell you how many times I was in high school and people would rip off a cuss word and I'm like, <laughs> that's really funny. But I got to say like, okay, I can't say those words. But I got to say the word that's not a cuss word. Or I got to say this and, and it sounds really, really silly. So I just don't say anything at all. And I just have to laugh or not laugh. But a lot of times I've laughed. If you don't laugh, are you judging someone? You ever thought about that? If you don't laugh at the dirty joke or if you don't go along with it, that somehow you think you're judging them? You ever dealt with that? I mean, it used to bother me a little bit. I was like, well, if I don't go along with it, maybe they're going to think I don't like them or I'm this uppity Christian and I don't, I'm, I'm better than that. Well, you certainly can't feel like that. You certainly cannot go along with it. I'm not saying you, can, you have to tell them you shouldn't be doing that. I think you have more than a right to say, can you please not use that language around me? Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Wait, ooh, no. Don't want to do that. And I say that because I've been in those scenarios. Guys, when I was at Murray State, played football for one year, not nearly as good as I thought I was. I, I rarely use the word literally because I think a lot of people don't know what the, you guys know what the word literally means? Like, I love talking about this with Ryan and my wife, but... <laughs> There's just one sports commentator. The funniest one I could think of. <laughs> My mind was literally blown. Oh, good grief. Oh, good grief. Is he okay? His mind was literally blown. You don't have to use the word literally just to get your point across. But guys, when I was at Murray <laughs> on the football team, I literally heard more cuss words than regular words. I'm sure of it if you take out the word and and the that I heard more cuss words than I didn't. And I'm not talking from the players. I'm talking from the coaches and everybody. But guess what we would do? All right, guys, let's pray. Father, hallowed be the name. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me right now? That was tough for me. But I was a kicker, so really no one cared anyway what I had to say about it. I mean, I had the same number as somebody else did because they were like, okay, you're 98 and you're 98B. That's what they called me, 98B. You think kickers don't get respect at high school? Boy, it does not get any better when you go up. And if you guys seen the NFL playoffs, which I don't really like to watch that anymore, those, those poor guys. Uh, but you know what? Uh, if I made a couple million dollars, you know what? They ought to make those anyway. So I'm not, no, no uh, sympathy for them. So next, and this will go pretty fast, guys, but our responsibilities at home. This is big for me. This is really big for me. It all starts here. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs, Proverbs 20, 20, verse 7 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Okay. So, Caleb, go ahead and move to that one that shows the stats about that, about when a mother comes to Christ. When a mother, now, Grant, I just pulled these statistics all online, and most of these are from Christian sites, so I don't, 
you know, I don't know that they're, hopefully they're not skewed too much. But anyway, I think you'll get the point. When a mother comes to Christ, her family will join her at church only 17% of the time. But when a father comes to Christ, his family joins him 93% of the time. Not saying moms aren't important, but dads, you have to lead. Right? What's going to happen if dad stays home? What are they going to say? Why do I have to go? Dad's not going. Mom, I don't want to go. Dad's not going. Why do I have to go? We have to lead. The Bible is pretty clear about this. Guys, that, that, that statistic is staggering. But I'll tell you something I don't, I, I don't see a lot of. I don't see a lot of, okay, you got two, a couple. What I haven't, what I don't, I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see the woman show up sometimes by herself, but I rarely see the father show up by himself. That is not something you see. It's pretty sad. Okay, next, next slide. You guys have probably, uh, you know, heard something about this when a, when a, kid graduates high school on the percentages of coming back and all that stuff. So 70% of all people, and I've seen that one site said 90. I'm, I figured I'd go with the more conservative one, but 70% of all people who have become Christians do so by the age of 18. Well, if you can't read into that, guys, what that's saying is after a child leaves your household, it's going to be pretty tough to do anything with them. And let me tell you, when that kid turns 14, 15, 16, it's going to be pretty tough to do something with them. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Roth, you don't have somebody in high school. Roth, you just have a two-year-old. You don't know. And maybe you're right. But they're pretty impressionable when they're young. So what are our priorities? I like this one. This is this, Go into some percentages. The average day for the full-time employed American adult. Now, I had to get pretty specific on this because if you throw in unemployed and all this stuff, they skew some stats. So, most fathers are employed because they've got to provide for the family. So let's just stick with that, okay? Sleep 8.8 hours? Yeah. I thought that might be less, but work 8.1 hours? I thought that might be more. But next, 13.6, TV, leisure, sports, three, over three hours, household activities, one hour, eating and drinking, 1.1. So we haven't seen a couple things yet, so you can go to the next slide. Shopping, 33 minutes. Ooh, family. Family comes in at a whopping seventh with 27 minutes. Religious civic activities, eight minutes. Now, this isn't counting Sundays because I didn't want to skew that stat either. So you're going to spend more time shopping than you are with your kids. That's pretty clear. More time shopping than you are with your family. So, moving on, because I... Well, first of all, me. I, you know, I got. Do you might have a cell phone? Anybody bring a cell phone today to church? Mm-hmm. It's okay to say you did. You're not going to get in trouble for bringing one. I don't think I've ever not come to church without my cell phone once they existed. And kids, they didn't exist at one time. <laughs> so, I actually sort of can remember when. What was I supposed to do if I don't have a phone in my hands? But I pretty much never leave home without it. So, here's some cell phone statistics, because I think this is a major problem this day and age. The average person checks their phone 110 times a day. Now, my grandpa, he's killing that stat, okay? 
he's probably putting up some zeros. So just think that's higher. You guys down here, you're, you're boosting that one. You're probably more like two or 300, right? Oh, did somebody, wait, wait, I got something. Oh, wait, no, that was just a, oh, wait, no, that was just, no, wait. Oh. I think a lot of it's right there. Oh, wait, did somebody, did something, no, okay, it was something else. 56% now, these are just kind of for fun, but 56% check their smartphones before sleep. I think that's pretty low. Yeah. 75% check their far, smartphones far, far. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you, yeah, makes sense. 75% check their smartphones upon waking, right? Got to know if temperatures are outside. I got to know if somebody needs me. Got to know if something's wrong. 12% use their smartphones in the shower. Now, they are waterproof these days, so maybe this stat's going to go up. Um, but good grief, people, give it a rest. When are you going to put it down? Now, I will say that I have had mine in the shower before because... Now, let me be honest, I, it, I don't like to get up earlier, so I'm like, I get up, it's like, we ain't got no relaxing time because I want to sleep, so I kind of, sometimes I'll go in there and read a scripture, now I know that makes me sound all uppity, but that's really the only time I use it in the shower, and uh, that still costs me more time anyway, so I don't know why I do it, but anyway, 40% check their phones while on the toilet, now guys, come on, that's like 100%, so 40% said, yes, I check my phone while on the toilet, 60% are a bunch of fibbers. You didn't used to go in and stare at the walls. They don't even, do they have magazines in the bathrooms anymore? I don't know. What, what, did you, what did we used to do when we went to the bathroom? I, I don't know what I did. I probably didn't go to the bathroom as long. <laughs> Next, 50% uneasy when they leave phones at home. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? I forgot my phone at the house today. Oh, I'm not going to be able to survive. Now, if you got some jobs stuff, I understand that. 44% check job-related email while on vacation. Me, I did it. On vacation, guys, it's family time. Vacation hours from work are not supposed to mean work. Now, I know there's some, uh, some uh, exceptions to that. But anyway, going on, this, these are some, that, this is my last slide, but I have some, a couple other statistics. I'm actually really close to being done. So about four hours a day is the time we spend on our smartphones. Four hours. And Facebook takes up a roughly 35 minutes. But I will tell you what, my grandma is improving that stat. She, what do you think, about a couple hours? And that's okay. You know, she's not, uh, when, my, when my son's over there, it's different. She's zoned in on him. Um, but anyway, guys, that amounts to uh, a couple statistics. You know, I, love, I love doing these. Uh, <clears throat> over the course of your life, on average, you're going to watch seven years and eight months of TV. Way to spend your time. Social media, five years and four months. At least I got my Facebook stuff in. At least I saw what, what he was doing last weekend. So I've been guilty of everything up here, guys. We aren't making time for the Lord, and we're not making time for our families. Right? These phones are supposed to be making us more efficient. Right? Out our hands. We can do this. But what is it causing us? To spend more time on it, find more things to do. So I challenge you guys today to set some restrictions. I would say no phone at the dinner table, assuming that's a thing anymore. Do people have dinner tables anymore? Or do we eat together anymore? I don't even know if people do that anymore. Or how about putting your phone down and walking away when you get home from work? You don't have to have it there on your hip. How about putting it away and having some time with your kids? You know, some of you saw the Meyer saw a video that was on Facebook a year ago or so when Meyer took his first steps. If you've noticed in that video what I was doing, I was playing on my iPad. 
And I was playing a game called Clash of Clans. That's my vice. Play it way too much. Way, way, way too much. My son's taking his first steps, and I was like, did you do it yet? Did you do it yet? I got I to gotta make sure I don't mess this up, because this is important. Did you do it yet? Oh, that's good. Now watch that video sometime. It's on there. I'm zoned in the whole time going like this. I'm embarrassed of that, but I'm glad it's up there. You can remind me of how foolish I was. You know, these electronics, they've just consumed our life, okay? And I was bad about this, guys. And I want to say, I want to give these illustrations of how I was on it. Come home, this is my day. Come home, plop in the recliner, turn on the TV, and get my phone out. Playing a game, checking sports, doing whatever, solid. Maybe I'll do it while I'm eating, but I'll eat and I'll set that phone out, watch TV, you got the phone, watch TV, you got the phone. Oh, wait, Meyer's doing something. Is he okay? Okay, yeah, okay. He's, well, he's, he say something. Dad, dad, oh, yeah, hold on, hold on. I got to do this real quick. Dad, dad, hold on, I got to do this real quick. I got pretty good at that. Ah, hold on, hold on, I got to finish this. I never got finished. Sometimes I'd come home without even giving my son a hug or my wife a hug. Just come home and be like, oh, okay, I'm home. Got to get back on my phone, right? Got my free time. Anyone ever play a game on their phone in church? It's okay, you don't have to admit it here. You can fib, that's fine. I've done it. You know what it came to light? Somebody over there can probably tell you. I actually had my phone out reading a Bible passage, right? That's what you guys do when you have your phones out, right? You're reading the Bible, right? Yeah. Hey, I got a Bible app on here. It's okay if I have my phone out. There are people sitting behind you, just so you know. But I had my phone out, and my nephew said, Uncle Ross playing Clash of Clans. That hurt. I was reading my Bible, but I was setting a pretty bad what? Pretty bad example of where my priorities were. My son wasn't, wasn't old, isn't old enough to understand that yet, but he knows, he knows where Ross' priorities are. He knows what Ross most interested in. And I was actually reading the Bible at that point, but it hit me. I don't read the Bible from my phone much anymore when I'm around other people. It's not because I want to see him high and mighty, but I do not want to give the wrong impression that that's what I'm doing, and that's where my time is. So let me tell you something about this world we live in. This goes all the way back to one very, very bad day for Mr. Brent Holloway. And I'd like to think he knows I have his back. But let me tell you the only way we can turn around this country and this world. our children. That's it. Those naive minds, those impressionable minds, that's the only way. And let me tell you where this starts. At home. That's where it starts. Brother Dave said it today. We're preachers in our own household. <laughs> just, man, that just stuck out to me. Brent Holloway cannot raise your kids. Sunday school teachers cannot raise your kids. You can't spend an hour or two a week and raise your kids for you. Well, I'm sending them to church. They're good. And I'll come home and they'll see how I live my lifestyle. You think I'm not guilty of that? Our responsibility is to bring our children 
up in the instruction of the Lord. If we don't do it, I'll tell you somebody that will. The world will do it for you. They absolutely will. They'll teach them all they need to know. You think you don't want to talk about things that are uncomfortable to talk about? The world's got your back. It'll take care of it. Is this foolproof? No. Okay, giants of faith have atheist children. Atheists have giants of faith. But that's something pretty bad to fall back on. Well, by chance. No, it is not by chance. All right, this is the last page on my sheet. (laughs) All right, a couple more things. Are we going to be their parent or their friend? Man, you hear this a lot, don't you? Are you going to be their parent or are you going to be their friend? Sometimes I know my son doesn't like me because I tell him no. He's only two. He's probably not old enough to tell me that he hates me. But I can tell you one thing. It's going to cut deep when he says it one day. It's going to cut deep. But that's okay. He can hate me for, him, for me telling him to do the right things. And just like we talked about the sleeping together thing, the drinking, right? Ah, they drink at my house. That way they're safe. That way they don't drive drunk. Guys, first of all, it's illegal. Can't drink till they're 21. Second of all, what kind of example are you setting them by doing that? How about tell them no? Well, they're going to do it anyway, and they're going to do this. Maybe they won't. Give them a chance. But you certainly can't wait till 17 to tell them, well, I haven't taught you anything, but guys, probably shouldn't drink. That's why we got to start early. Okay? So I can't be the popular one. Okay? I cannot be the popular one. And another thing, do you have some things you need to get rid of in your life? Do you have some things where you thought, if my son was here or my daughter was here with me, should I be doing this? Should I be watching this? Should I be listening to this? Is this what I should be doing? A pretty good way to figure out what you should be doing. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all the things I've done, but there's a lot of things I don't own right now. Video-wise. A lot of things I don't own. Somebody might call me crazy, but I don't want them anymore. When I watch something, I have to see, is my son in the room? Probably shouldn't be watching it. And I'm not talking about something really bad. I'm talking about you just turn on the TV right now, right? And you hear, they can cuss on TV now. I mean, it's just running rampant. Maybe you ought to try going without TV for a week or two. Maybe you ought to see if you can actually do that. Maybe some people don't have trouble with that. But it was one for me. Okay? We should be the kind of people, and I got this from another guy, but to get out of a movie. Get up and walk out. You don't have to be embarrassed by doing this. And here's another thing. We don't have to be embarrassed about praying with our children. Remember some people coming over here and talking about family time, having family time, praying, worshiping. Oh, I can't sing around my family. That's really weird. Holy is the Lord. Are you going to sing that? Because I don't, I mean, I'll do it in church because it's drowned out with everybody, but I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do it. You shouldn't be embarrassed. But if you don't start until they're 18, you're going to be embarrassed. Guarantee it. And they are too. And they're not going to want to do it. We can't be embarrassed, guys. We have to do this. I heard this a couple times at church. People came and said about this family time stuff. And I was like, oof, man, I hope they don't say anything more. And I get home, I'm like, oof, I hope my wife doesn't talk about that because I don't really want to do that. I hope we can just act like that didn't happen. They need to see us doing godly things, guys. They need to see us with our Bibles out. They need to see this. You know why? They mimic every move. I can already tell you, because I have a two-year-old now, I can actually say this. I can say this from experience. You can't tell me anymore that I don't know. They mimic every one of my moves. 
I've said some things that aren't cuss words, but some things I'm like, ooh, my child probably shouldn't say that. And that's the one they pick out to say. Hey, mommy, he said this. Woo. Yeah. Hey, mommy, this. Hey, mommy, this. So in conclusion, we're finally there. God calls us as Christians to move on from drinking the milk, right? Drinking the milk's of salvation to get into the meat of the scripture. Salvation, unfortunately, is as far as a lot of Christians have made it. <clears throat> got my fire insurance. I'm good. I'm going to come to church. Maybe most Sunday mornings, unless I got like some golf I want to play or, you know, if there's something fun going on there, maybe I'll miss one here and there because, you know, it's, I'm good though. I got, my, I got my insurance. And this was the same spot for a huge chunk of my life. Okay. I think this myself. I do enough. I go to church on Sunday. I do these other things. I don't need any of that at home. And before a handful of months, months ago, and I, guys, I don't tell you this to tell you how good I am. I tell you this to tell you where I was. I could not tell you where my Bible was at my house. I lost it. I didn't lose it because I lost it. I lost it because I didn't know where it was for, for years. How disappointing is that? Yeah, it's on my phone. I can look it up every once in a while, but I didn't know where it was. How important is that to me if I don't even know where my Bible is? But guys, I'm still a long way from being a Bible scholar. But I'll tell you something. In the last four to five months, I've read more of the Bible than I've read my entire life. I don't tell you that to tell you I've read my Bible for eight hours every day. I tell you that to tell you how, how much I did not read my Bible before. So guys, we can't leave here today and go back to this country club lifestyle, this lifestyle of, hey, I live in America, I got a house, I got a truck, I got it pretty good, got a job, got some kids, my life's pretty smooth, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, get my children in here a little bit. We can't go back to that. You guys think there's not more for you here on earth. But John 10.10 says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I'm going to just skip some of these verses. I'm going to read one more. And that's it. That's, that's. Sorry, I appreciate you guys staying around. Nobody walked out yet. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Hmm. Humble is a big word. I'm not sure a lot of people know what that means. A lot of people might tell you, I'm real humble. No, you're not. Not if you say it like that. Look how humble I am. Look how humble I am. We are to do this stuff for God, not for others, not to see how good we are. Okay. Well, I'm finished. I don't need to find any prayer. You guys need to come up. This is already 12 o'clock. I went way over. I apologize. Uh, but I appreciate you guys having me today. Thank you.